When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Happy Canada Day. It is July 1st. We have thing. Canada Day. I suppose it's a little like the US Independence Day, except... I mean, I guess I don't know what the difference is. Here we go. It celebrates the anniversary of July 1st, 1867, the effective date of the Constitution Act, which was then called the British North America Act, which united the three separate colonies of the province of Canada, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, into a single dominion within the British Empire called Canada. What? Oh, the province of Canada is one of the colonies. Province of Canada, Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick into one dominion. Oh, that's cool. And then when did we get all the other provinces? Like, when did we make the huge mistake of Alberta? My God. I saw Kelly Oxford. She's a very, very talented filmmaker. There's a film that Kelly has that was meant to come out over lockdown, and then it didn't. And it's starring Jessica Barden, who's British, playing Kelly. It's going to be incredible. Pink skies ahead. So whenever that gets its UK release, you got to go out and see it. But she's from, I think, Alberta. And Kelly goes back on holidays sometimes to Banff and these beautiful resorts. And she tags the Alberta tourism board. So I know those are sponsored visits. And I really want to take one. I really want to go to Banff. I really also want to go to Whistler in BC. But I just can't stop shit-talking Alberta because, oh, the voices that come out of there, the people. You know, a lot of folks forget that Canada can be horribly misogynistic and racist, too. We get this sweet reputation, oh, Canadians are so nice. Listen to some of them. Some of them are nice, but also it's far more insidious to be nice, but then like a racist monster who hates women deep down inside. Never forget that. Never forget what we did to the indigenous people. I say we. I traced my ancestry and I had nothing to do with it. No violence. My people only came over very recently. I don't know what they were doing in Ireland. Just probably beating their own wives. As nature intended. Originally called Dominion Day, the holiday was renamed in 1982, the year in which the Canadian Constitution was patriated by the Canada Act 1982. Canada Day celebrations take place across the country. La 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 la. Only 1982. Wow. And I am livid about it because Bobby Kay has invited a bunch of our friends over. I mean, by a bunch, I mean probably four distancing in the garden. And I just, I like our friends when they're in their own homes. I really struggle with guests and I'm just not a hosting person. It stresses me out. I don't know, you know, I have to keep an eye on everyone's drink and top it up and the house has to be totally spotless and I have to have different vegan snacks for people. The only saving grace is that my friends are very self-entertained. So they're all really good at talking to each other. There's no, you know, we don't hang out with awkward people. Everyone already knows each other. But I mean, oh, it just scares me so much. And I think the reason that it annoys me too is that all my life, 
people don't listen when I say I don't like to make a big deal of birthdays. So this is a joint celebration with my birthday, which was yesterday. It's not that I'm ashamed of growing older. It's a great privilege. I don't mind that. I just think being born is the most basic thing that you can do. There's nothing more unoriginal. There's nothing more ordinary than being born because everyone on earth was born. So like, what a pumpkin spice latte fucking bitch is like, it's my birthday month. It's my birthday week. Like, I don't even care at all. I'm not ashamed of it. I just don't see the reason to celebrate it. Oh, wow. I was born. Was anyone else born? Maybe it should be a day for mothers. Like if you want to celebrate the day you gave birth, then you actually achieved something that day. You risked your life. You went through a tough time. You know, happy birthday to my mom for yesterday for doing that. At a time when, I mean, Sarnia, 1983, right after this whole Canada Day was renamed. What a year. They didn't even have epidural. I mean, I didn't have an epidural when I gave birth to Violet, but she was induced. She was really small. My dad's huge. She didn't think that went through. And then I just, I think giving birth in Sarnia would have been like giving birth on a boat. Awful. I just wish more women could be direct. I articulate myself for a living. I tell people very clearly what I like and what I don't. But there's some stereotype that's built up about us that when we say I'm fine, we're not fine. And when we say I don't want gifts, I don't want a party, that we don't mean that either. I wholeheartedly mean it with everything in my soul. I don't want gifts from you. Why? Because if there was something that I coveted, I would already own it. I really don't want to open a present from someone and be like, oh, wow, thank you. And then there's all this recycling and I have to write a thank you note. British culture... This thank you note business, it is not even worth getting a present because then you have to sit there and catch up on your correspondence, do all these handwritten calligraphy. Thank you so much for the vase. I definitely don't want. Our recycling was overfilled this week, so we had to keep a bunch of cardboard into the garage. No, I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but I am. And then it is all right in the end. Once everyone has come, I'm like, oh, I really am glad I had those people over. That was nice. As I load the dishwasher for the third time. Yesterday evening, I attended an online screening of a documentary film called On the Record. And you can stream that now. I think you can enter your details and get it for free for 48 hours. It's a very powerful first black Me Too documentary. And it's initiated by Drew Dixon. She was um, a Def Jam record executive, an A&R executive, very high up in the industry. She had loads of different titles. She did so much for hip hop at that time in the 90s when it was definitely the boom of the bitches and hoes culture. So I can't imagine what it's like going to work while I can, (laughs) where right away you're undermined. Drew Dixon is one of many women now who's raising her voice about claims of abuse at the hands of Russell Simmons. Very, very famous executive mogul, the king of hip hop. They call him the father of hip hop. And there are 19 allegations against him at this point. And you do have to understand anytime an article like this, um, because there have been many articles in the LA Times 
New York Times, wherever, just detailing all of these claims and allegations. Anytime a name is used, then you you have to understand they already have a backlog of evidence because filmmakers and newspapers, they don't want to get sued. They have to be very, very litigious about the whole thing just to protect themselves. And I even know of things going on right here in the UK that haven't been made public because they're just waiting for one more piece of evidence to protect themselves. They have to make sure they do things the right way when they're naming someone, when they're accusing someone, even if there are tens of allegations. So Drew was such an influential powerhouse of music. I can't recommend this movie enough. I mean, it is harrowing, and you have to set aside a night to watch something like this when you're prepared to feel rage. I mean, my mother would love this movie because I think she watches things like this, and she just feels vindicated, like, yep, yes, told you so, yes. You know, obviously, she and I both believe these women, but I... Oh, just the emotional toll that it takes. It really makes me angry. I couldn't watch the Gloria Allred film for me. I had to watch it in probably 40 chunks. It makes you so full of rage that you have to go for a walk. This is one of those films. Drew tried to sign Kanye West. Drew tried to sign John Legend. And this is after she left the company working for Russell Simmons and joined a company working for L.A. Reid, who also tried to lure her to hotel rooms, also asked for sexual favors from her. And because she wouldn't do them, her professional career suffered. L.A. Reid passed on Kanye West because, you know, she explains it very well in the film. But he was just like, no, I'm not doing anything for you if you won't do anything for me. Imagine passing on John Legend and being so rude he wouldn't even show up to the audition and then Drew would have to sit in a room with these very talented artists and be like well I know you're going to be a star somewhere else but we cannot sign you she said Kanye West cried so I would be very interested to see what Kanye West will have to say about this film and all the revelations within who his loyalty will lie with obviously his wife Kim Kardashian recently become a billionaire he announced that on Twitter yesterday read the room pal people are dying Kim they do have connections to the White House don't they so I hope that Mr. Kanye West Ms. Kim Kardashian West they watch this film and let's see what can happen because black women face a very unique problem and actually I spoke about this I've known about this I don't know, six, seven years ago, it's in my first Netflix special, In Trouble, about the Bill Cosby stuff, is that they're so raised to have this loyalty to the black community that when there's a very successful black man, it takes a lot. It goes against everything they were taught to bring that man down. So they have their own truth and they have to protect themselves, but equally they feel this impulse to protect black men and it leaves them in such an impossible position. And that is why we must protect black women at all costs. They are always protecting everybody else. Black women are the least protected demographic in the world. And they always vote in a way that really stands up for other women. They always vote in a way that stands up for any vulnerable minority. And that's why I always let black women on escalators ahead of me. Is that a meaningless gesture, Catherine? You bet. But if you're coming up to an escalator and you look like me and a black woman's coming up to an escalator and she's a black woman, show some fucking respect. Do not make a black power fist. For the love of God, don't use the word sis. Just do a nice thing. Smile. 
Do not use her content on TikTok without crediting her. Just smile and let her ahead. If you'd like to see this film with Black women speaking out about the music industry, it's called On The Record, and it's produced by Dog Woof. So you can go to ontherecordfilm.co.uk. I know there are people who've been assaulted who don't want to talk about it. Either the person is very powerful or they don't think they'll be believed. Even if the person isn't powerful, you invite chaos when you speak out. And Drew Dixon articulated this so perfectly. She said, my husband didn't like chaos. I was a mother now. I'd grown away from this. But other women were coming out with their stories and she didn't want to leave them just twitching in the wind. She thought, no, I owe it to those women, to myself, to be a warrior, not a victim. And um, that idea of inviting chaos, yeah, you do. It's exactly what we were talking about last week. Even with the allegations of abuse in comedy, powerful women will say, well, I don't want the boys to be mad at me. I don't want everyone to be mad at me. And so this is why she needs your support. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A few bits from last week, the fundraiser for quote-unquote Heather's Teeth, that's not her real name, but I don't use real names on the podcast, um, that's going very well. That crowdfunder has only been going a day, and already it has raised £2,182 this morning. So if you would like to help this young woman or read her story, I've shared the gift link on my Instagram and on Twitter. If you are a dentist who can help, please get in touch telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I apologize. I don't know the name of the type of dentist we need because listen, if you are a regular person and you have a regular dentist like me, I thought that the dentist could do everything, but I was speaking to Nina about this problem. My friend, Dr. Nina, the dentist slash stunning uh, woman who also does Botox and filler. Nina said, I would need to make a referral to a specialist. There's going to be like a bone specialist. And I realized this when I had root canals last year. If your regular dentist is trying to do your root canals, you don't walk, you run out of that office because you need a special, there's a person educated in just root dentistry. It starts with an O. No, it's not orthodontist. It's another word. Endodontist. That is not with an O. But anyway, also last week, we were reading an email from a woman whose ex still had a shared calendar and he was putting in dates with women and he was putting in acronyms next to their names. And we needed to know what these acronyms meant. 
MH, the guesses came rolling in. Might hump my house. Then a man called Malcolm got in touch and I really think he's got his finger on the pulse of locations. Perhaps he is the ex in question on the calendar. Um, yes, he agrees with me that these are places in Bristol. He thinks YC is the Bristol Yacht Club. TVP is likely Tiverton Parkway Rail Station, which is also in the area. You keep your Thomas the fucking tank engine fetish on lock until lockdown has lifted. There will be no trains pulling into the station. You're on the family calendar. We can see what you're doing. You're putting your ex in danger. You're putting your kids in danger. You just schedule these dick appointments for next month. Even from Saturday, you can take one of these babes to the pub. I don't know what you're doing trying to get into museum. It's closed. The yacht club? Come on. I'm going to read your emails today. Hopefully we can get through a lot of them because I know I haven't been able to read many the last few weeks. There's been a lot going on in society. And just because I'm reading emails today doesn't mean I don't care about what's going on in Yemen. This is a letter from Philippa. I love your podcast and I've been tempted to write you. I'm in a similar situation to you. I'm in my late 20s. Yes, very similar to me if you just go by the skin. And my high school sweetheart got back in touch with me at the start of the year. We reminisced and got back together after 12 years apart. 12 years apart and you are in your late 20s. What? Were you dating this man? Oh yeah, I guess when you're like 14, 13. All right, fine. I panicked for a minute. I did 20 minus 12. You are eight. You're getting back in touch about what? Do you remember that rubber ball I kicked into your yard? Could I please have him back? Do you remember the peanut butter sandwich my mom gave us and we split it on the trampoline? Oh my gosh. My, my main message to teenagers and 20 year olds who write me is, I'm glad that you listened to the podcast and I will never give you advice that will hurt you, even though, you know, I swear sometimes and I'm a nasty woman. Um, but like, you're just, you got to stop putting so much emphasis on these things because at your age right now, I know they feel like they matter, but you're still going to feel very young when you're my age. So maybe park it. I, you know, I don't get these emails. I don't get a lot of emails about universities. We reminisced and got back together after 12 years apart. He told me he loved me and wanted to be with me. We connected deeply and he opened up to me about previous mental health issues he had so depression, and that he was receiving treatment for them. He had tried drugs in the past, but had now moved on to counseling. Everything was going well until lockdown hit. We don't live together, so we went for a long time without seeing each other. When we finally did see each other in a socially distanced way for a walk, sure, everything was back to normal, and we were making plans for the future. As lockdown dragged on, I noticed that his mental health was deteriorating as his counseling had been stopped due to coronavirus. This is a huge problem across the nation and across the world. I mean, I don't know how we are going to clean up the mess of the deterioration of mental health and the economy that's gone on in lockdown. I definitely know there are counselors doing online appointments. I mean, I spoke to my counselor once. That is Pam at beleaf.com. Um, she is so tired of me giving her name out, by the way, because she doesn't have room for more clients, but she will refer you to someone, I think. And even that takes up a lot of her day. So forget I said anything, but, um, I've been talking to psychics. I talked to an acupuncturist online, even what type of acupuncture can you do online? I don't know, but she sold it to me. A few days later, he told me he was unsure about us and he needed space and would be in touch so we could meet up and talk. This was three weeks ago and now nothing. 
I'm absolutely heartbroken. I love him. I don't understand why he would do this to me. He's struggling with mental health. However, that does not excuse his behavior. I'm not sure what to do. I want to ask you and your listeners advice on how best to handle the situation. Let him go. Contact him. I do not know a lot about mental health issues and I would be glad of any advice. So neither do I. I'm not a professional, but that doesn't stop me confidently answering questions like these. Do not reach out to him. I cannot stress this enough. I once dated a man who had, he was neurodynamic. I wouldn't say he had depression at the time, but he was certainly unique. And I used to laugh about it. I would say, oh, it's funny. He has such little game that it manifests as game. There were times when he wouldn't speak to me or he wouldn't call me back or he would just do things that I found to be very odd and I couldn't read him properly. And I'd say, oh, yeah, such little game that it manifests as game. And as time goes on, I look back and I think, no, I think that might have been game. <laughs> I think it was just game. Or either way, you know, whether it was intentional or not, it shouldn't have been my problem. Never, ever chase someone. And that goes for both well, there are more than two genders, but that goes for everyone. Don't chase someone. If they have mental health issues, if their house has flooding, if their grandmother is unwell, if they're going on a trip, whatever, all those things may not be malevolent. They might not be under their control. Fine. Let people sort themselves out. You cannot develop a rescue syndrome. You can't swoop in and say, well, I'll call him. He's suffering. I need to do this. I need to do that. If it's not easy, it just wasn't meant to be. And if it is meant to be, then it will happen again in the future. I think you could perhaps send one message saying, right now is clearly not the time to pursue anything romantic because I can't put myself in a position where I'm being vulnerable with someone who doesn't ring me for three weeks. However, I can offer you my support, my friendship with boundaries that you are comfortable with and say, I, I just really wish you the best. I hope you're doing well. And that's it. You don't need to complicate your life with this. That's nothing against him, but you need to lift yourself up and just move forward. The person who's right for you is going to call you back. Here's an interesting email from Susan. <laughs> That's a terrible fake name. What's like a cute fake name? I'm gonna go through the baby names list. Like Olivia, everyone's naming their baby Olivia now. Okay. I hope you're having a good week. I'm loving the podcast. It's helping to keep me sane in lockdown. I listen every week in the bathtub and just chill out. I do wash more than once a week. I want to be a comedian and started performing right before lockdown. I have anxiety and stage fright, but I know I'm funny. I know I can be good enough if I work hard. And I love comedy, so I will work hard. However, I couldn't help but be disheartened by the reality of the industry. I know it has a lot of problems, but I guess I hadn't thought about just how much is an uphill battle. I'm 22 and I'm black, the double whammy. Yay. Oh, she's a woman, by the way. I don't expect to feel comfortable all the time or have it easy, but I want to know that my hard work will pay off. I want to know that things are moving in the right direction and it seems like they aren't, or at least not as fast as I previously thought. I realize the world isn't fair, but I want to make it better. I know it will be difficult in the beginning because I want opportunities and to get a foot in the door. How do I start out trying to become successful and stay principled? I want to pull other women and minorities up with me. I want to fight for more places, not just take someone else's. But I've heard of people who speak up before they are established enough can get blacklisted. Yep. I'm dealing with exactly this in my own life this week, Olivia. I 
spoke about misogyny in the industry and rape culture and abuse in this and many other industries last week. And the trouble with the podcast is I purposely say stuff here that I don't tweet because these conversations are so nuanced. 140 characters doesn't do them justice, but news places listen to it and then they have to make small headlines and write articles. So they'll use words like Catherine Ryan as boycotting and, you know, protesting against this and that. And it's like, well, first of all, it's nothing new, but it takes the fun out of it for sure. I've heard you and many others speak publicly about this for years. And I, of course, have no idea what the conversations you've had behind closed doors have been like. (laughs) You can imagine though, right? Can we start some kind of boycott or lobby? I don't necessarily think that quotas always create the most productive kind of change, i.e. box ticking rather than culture shift. But as an example, can we get all your comedian friends to approach all the lads that go on these panel shows every series who outwardly present as good little progressives and many talk the talk and get them to sign a list of demands? We say that we want these shows to be 50-50 gender-wise and have two people of color per episode. Oh, and go public with it so there's public pressure and then go from show to show, gig to gig and get them to sign up. Yeah, I honestly don't think we can do that. Thank you for taking the time. Hopefully we will gig on the same bill one day. Well, Olivia, I know we will. Oh, you've said I can use your real name, but I'm not going to, just in case. Um, I'm sorry that I don't have a better answer for you. I think we have to make the change with our jokes. I think you have to get your foot in the door, be really funny And it's only now that I'm in a position where I can speak seriously about issues. So I would never tell your generation, no, you're wrong. You can't do it like that because you see that with Hollywood actresses. I remember when the first wave of Me Too came out and these younger actresses and producers and people in Hollywood were speaking out. And it was so disheartening to see older actresses be like, oh, well, honey, that just comes with the territory. Relax. You know, what are these? They were denouncing the younger women for demanding better. And I hated to see that. I was like, oh, I felt really abandoned by these older women. So I definitely never want to do that to the younger generation of comedians. I think it's tricky because everyone is in a food chain. So bookers have to make the channel happy. And The comedians who get booked have to make their landlords happy and pay the rent. And then the channels, they always have someone to answer to and they get in trouble if the viewing figures aren't high enough. So it is a real rooted problem in society and culture. I was saying last week, so much of this country is still prepared to say, well, women just aren't funny. Well, that's, you know, it needs to change from the ground up. And so to do that, I think we just have to be relentless, keep doing comedy There are lots of people who run their own nights, put those on as culture changes. I think more people will come to those nights and small victories will become bigger victories. I love the big nasty show. I love seeing the viewing figures that Mo Gilligan's show gets and those victories will become more plentiful. So be funny, be as funny as you can work on your act, Trojan horse your values in and let people like me get blacklisted. So you don't have to, I'm in the daily mail today. Catherine Ryan slams the booking policy. Uh, no, all I said is I haven't worked there since 2016. I moved over so that someone like you could have an opportunity because I felt that my time was up. Here's a letter from Renee about guilt. 
The last couple months of quarantine, I've been increasingly worried about my relationship with food. I often become anxious when I eat, especially if it's not something I'd ordinarily have. And with the state of the world at the moment, the anxiety is becoming more general, but it seems to be triggered by food. My question is, as a white person, would it be selfish to take myself off social media for a while to deal with my own mental health problems? I'm a fierce ally. I've seen so many things about how black people are unable to just log off from being black and it's a reality from them 24 seven. So should I feel badly about my ability to do so while I work on my mental health? No, we need you to be well if you're going to continue to be an ally because this is a marathon, not a race. Anyone who needs to log off social media for their mental health. And I mean, lately, I think that's all of us. Social media is just a deep spiral of filth a tornado of torment, you can still be an ally and not be on social media. I think a lot of the performative activism that you see on social media doesn't do a lot anyway. So definitely take care of your mental health. And I'm so sorry to hear that you're triggered by food. You need to be well and you need to be nourished. Food is like petrol for your car or diesel. If you still have a car that has diesel, I think they're phasing them out. You need to eat and you need to sleep and you need to be well. So get off social media today. Don't delay. And then when you're well, you can come back and be an ally on there. Here's one from Nikki. Okay, so remember a couple weeks ago, Catherine, you mentioned you might change your last name to your ancestral family name, Knight. Just do me a favor and Google Catherine Knight, Australia, and tell me this isn't the most hilarious coincidence ever. Okay. Catherine Mary Knight is the first Australian woman to be sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. She was convicted for the murder of her partner, John Charles Thomas Price, in October 2001, and she is currently imprisoned at the Silverwater Women's Correctional Center in New South Wales. Oh, shit. Knight stabbed Price to death, skinned him, then put his skin on a meat hook and cooked his... Trigger warning. And cooked his head and parts of his body with the intention of feeding them to his children. Oh, and she worked in an abattoir. Look, there's a lot going on here and I'm gonna upset a lot of people. I think that we have one of Canada's most prolific, and I hate that they use the word prolific, it just means he murdered a bunch of women. Robert Picton, he worked in an abattoir and he would lure indigenous women, drug addicts, sex workers back to his abattoir and he would kill them in a very similar way. And I just think I'm going to make the farmers upset, but when you normalize killing and taking a life and being so hands-on with your murder, I think it's got to do something not great to your head. I'm currently in a weird position with one of my friends right now. She's one of my very best friends. I love her and I respect that she grew up a very different way to me. They have pets, like pigs and sheep and chickens and ducks, but they're pets, like they have names and they play with the children in the garden and they do all the little pony jumps and they they eat them. They kill them and eat them. And I just think, ay ay ay. No, I don't eat pork and sometimes I eat chicken and my friend does tell me that that makes me a bad person because the chickens in her care are a lot more intelligent than the sheep. They have a hierarchy. And every time you eat chicken, you're taking a soul, if you believe what I believe. Whereas if you eat beef, you know, one cow can feed a lot of people. But I mean, look, this is all sick. Catherine Knight's early life. Yeah, she was born and raised in an unconventional, dysfunctional family environment. Her mother, Barbara, and this guy, Jack, had four sons before Barbara began an adulterous relationship with Ken Knight. Oh, he sounds dreamy. 
a friend and co-worker of her husband, local backlash forced Barbara and Ken, Barbie and Ken, to leave Aberdeen and move to Marie. None of her four sons went with her. The two older boys continued to reside with their father, while the younger sons were sent to be raised by an aunt. Why? What? Well, that's odd in itself. I'm going to have these two because they are the best at football. And I can't have four, though, so you two. Well, I mean, they probably ended up being murderers as well. Where are they? Barbara had four additional children with Ken. Barbara, you are the one who needs to be selling your eggs. You got eight kids by this point, including a pair of twin girls born in 1955. Catherine was the younger of these twin daughters. When she was four, Jack died and his two boys who'd been living with him moved in with Barbara and Ken. Knight's father was an alcoholic who openly used violence and intimidation to rape his wife up to 10 times a day. Oh no. Barbara told her daughter's intimate details of her sex life and how much she hated sex and men. Oh, so she fostered almost this fear and hatred of men and this misandry in her house. Well, mothers who are abused, they, all their children don't turn out to be abattoir murderers. And I mean, who else is Barbie going to tell? She's got these daughters to confide in. I'm pretty sure her husband, judging by the way they met, you know, if he was a family friend and she had an affair with him, he's going to worry about her whereabouts. I'm sure abusive men are very controlling as well. She had no one else to tell. Later, when Knight complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted her to take part in a sex act she didn't want to perform, Barbara told her to put up with it and stop complaining? Oh, no, and she was frequently assaulted by several members of her family, though not by her father. Oh, well, that's a nice caveat. Thanks for putting that in there. And that continued until she was 11. Although they have doubts about the minor details, psychiatrists accept her claim, as all her family members confirmed that these events did happen. Barbara's great-grandmother was an indigenous Australian who had married an Irishman. Barbara was proud of this fact and identifies as Aboriginal. This was kept a family secret, and there was a considerable racist vibe in the area at the time. At the time? Have you been to Australia lately? And this was a source of tension for the children. Apart from her twin sister, the only person whom Knight was close to was her uncle, who was a champion horseman. He committed suicide in 1969. She was bullied. She assaulted at least one boy at the school with a weapon and was once injured by a teacher who acted in self-defense. 12 months after leaving school, she got her dream job cutting up awful in an abattoir. There, she was quickly promoted to boning. What? Is this how abattoirs work? And was given her own set of butcher's knives. At home, the knives were hung over her bed so that they would always be handy if I needed them. A habit she continued until her incarceration. Everywhere she lived, she hung knives above her bed. Well, Catherine Knight, this is the film. She is an Aboriginal woman. We need more voices in film. And this is such a compelling story. It's a lot like Charlize Theron in Monster. And Charlize got to eat five Krispy Kremes a day to prepare for that role. So much fun if you like donuts. And this is a compelling story. But of course, when women murder, and I'm sorry, but it is far more rare, Louis C.K. did some terrible things, had some excellent jokes, his bit about Girls Gone Wild, you know, those video cassettes that you used to buy. I mean, I didn't used to buy, but girls would be drunk on spring break, young women, and they'd go, woo, and flash their boobs. I think he's in prison now, the creator of those, or at least hiding out in Mexico. Anyway, 
Louis C.K. would say, girls gone wild. No, when girls go wild, they don't show their tits. When girls go wild, they like kill their whole family and drown their kids. That's what happens when girls go wild. It's rare, but they go wild. This is a tragic story. Of course, no one deserves to be murdered like that, but I am very interested in the story. I would like to see a group of women make this. Female producers, female directors, let's make this happen. It's not like I'm proud of Catherine Knight. And I'm, by the way, I'm not going to change my name to Catherine Knight. Uh, but what a story. Weird way to end, but thank you so much for listening. You can always email me telling everybody everything at gmail.com. You can go to the pub on Saturday, so enjoy that, and I'll see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.